yesterday was probably a, a very good day for many of you, and um, you had a lot of fun, family together, and so forth. And so this morning, I wanted to just talk about some things that um, uh, go along with uh, what probably took place in your homes yesterday. When I was a boy, there was one Christmas in particular. Now, Justin told us about his Christmas, wanting a, a baby doll of all things. Uh, my little buddy, he said. Now, he's not here, so I can talk about him a little bit. But one Christmas, he said he wanted this uh, little doll. Well, there was a Christmas on one occasion where I wanted, um, I don't know if you remember what these were. I think they were called, I don't even remember what they were called, SSP racers, I think. It, had, it was a little car, about, about that long, and it had this rack and pinion. You, you would pull this plastic thing out, and it would spin this center wheel. And, man, those things would fly. They were fast. And I always wanted one of those. Never did get one. And my friends all had them. And so for Christmas, that's the thing I just said. I want, I want one of those race cars. Well, Christmas came, and I opened presents. And I was sure that one of those cars would be in there. And it wasn't. Now, I don't know if my parents figured I had enough cars or what. I never did have one of those cars as a youth. After we got married, I went out and bought one. They came back on the market, and uh, I went and got one just because I wanted one. But uh, that, that happened. I was left wanting that Christmas, looking for more. A few years ago, as an adult, a few years ago, I was uh, at church, and this lady came up to me at church, and the associate minister was there with me as well. He was a, an older man, and she handed us two identical packages. And Charles just kind of opened his up and looked in, and he said, Oh, country ham. I love country ham. And so I thought, well, that's really nice. We got a country ham. And I thanked her for my country ham. I didn't look in the package. I got home, and it was a block of Velveeta cheese. <laughs> I'd never had a block of Velveeta cheese before for a present. And, and I, I remember thinking, there's got to be more in here than just this, this cheese. But uh, that was it. He got the, the country ham and I got the cheese. Well, sometimes you might feel like that little girl up there looking up the chimney. Surely there's more. As we go through life and as we get a little bit older, I think our wish list changes, does it not? Uh, the things that a, a child would ask for if they could ask for anything, I think that list would be far different than my grown-up Christmas list. Mariah Carey, I think, is the one who sings this song, but she, uh, and I don't know if she wrote it or somebody else wrote it, and I don't know if somebody else performed it before her, but every Christmas I hear this song and it says, as children, we believed the grandest sight to see was something lovely wrapped beneath our tree. Well, he heaven surely knows that packages and bows can never heal a hurting human soul. So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list, not for myself, but for a world in need. I heard that song a number of years ago, and, you know, that those words kind of stuck with me. What would I wish for if I could wish for something that would make a difference today? What would my grown-up Christmas list be today? 
Well, I have four things that I want uh, to share with you. And the first one is this. I would want myself and others to have the vision to see the unseen. There's a real interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 13 through 17, where the prophet of God is in a city and the surround, they're surrounded by the Assyrians. And the, the prophet can see what his servant could not see. His servant just looked out and saw the Syrians surrounding the city and they were going to come and get him and, and kill him. And he was obviously scared. You can imagine what you would be in, in a similar situation. But the prophet of God didn't seem upset. He didn't seem too concerned. And so he prayed to God that God would open this servant's eyes. And God heard his prayer and opened the servant's eyes. And what the servant saw was a host of angels, of fiery chariots, chariots surrounding that city. He couldn't see it before. Before, all he saw was the enemy. He didn't see God and his work. But now that his eyes are open, he can see the things that are unseen. And his fears must have subsided. God is with us. I wish we could see the things that are not seen. When we experience difficult times in life, when we experience hardship, when we can't quite make meaning out of life, I wish we could see that God is still on our side. He still takes notice. He hasn't forgotten. He, he hasn't uh, walked away from us, turned his back on us. He is still attentive to our needs. That, that gives great confidence in our lives to know that. In Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, there is the possibility of being short-sighted or nearsighted, as uh, Peter calls it. If I don't have certain attributes in my life, I don't have clear vision. And, and maybe that's one of the reasons why we sin. We're short-sighted. If the immediate gratification that we get from sin could be compared and seen in light of the eternal glory of God, we wouldn't do it. The reason we do it is because we lose sight of God. And we don't see what lies ahead. And so we opt for the immediate gratification. There are better things for us. If I could just see what God intends, I wouldn't struggle with sin as much as I do. You remember a Christmas carol. Ebenezer Scrooge has these ghosts that come and visit him. And those ghosts give him... Um, a vision that he otherwise did not have. He saw things in his past, and he saw things in the present, and he saw things in the future that otherwise he could not have seen. And that vision caused him to change his life, and he became a new man. If I could wish for something, I would wish that we could all have the vision to see the unseen, to see the future, to know how this world is going to wind up, to understand more fully heaven and hell and the consequences of our behavior, to be able to see that God hasn't abandoned us even though our, our path is difficult. I think that would be a, a tremendous gift to be able to possess. 
A second gift that I would want us to have is that of unanswered prayers. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, God talks about prayer, John does, and how that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us and he answers our prayers. There are so many things that are good and noble and and we need answers to prayers. And I'm glad that we have a God who's inclined to do that. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 tells us that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. That's the kind of God we serve. If I could wish for a gift for mankind, I would wish for vision to see what we normally don't see. I would ask God to answer our prayers, to be involved in our life, to look out in His providence, uh, and to give us those things that are good for us. And the truth of the matter is, He does just that. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 28, the, the Bible tells us that God and the Holy Spirit, that they're working on our behalf. Um, the prayers that we pray, the Spirit helps and makes intercession with us, with our groanings. Have you ever not even known how to pray or what to pray? You've been so overwhelmed, you can't even put it into words. God understands you. And the Spirit can take those groanings and make petition before God on our behalf. I don't have to understand the right things and all the proper. Sometimes I can be bewildered, and I can approach the throne of God and have confidence that God understands that prayer. Um, And then to give us only those things that are good, not the things that are bad, the gift of being able to pray and to be the recipient of God's grace and His providential care for our life, what a blessing to know that God is going to give us good things. A third gift that I would pray for is for a better comprehension of the love of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 3, go ahead and turn there. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul says, we just can't get our arms around the love of God. It is too great for us to comprehend. But I wish we could understand it better. I wish we could, we could better see how great it is. Because I think if we could comprehend more fully the love of God, again, it changes 
our perspective on life, our behavior, our goals. When Kim and I were dating, this was back in 1983. We had been dating a few months, and I kind of liked her, and I thought she kind of liked me. And it got Christmas time. And so now you're left with, oh, what do I buy? I, we haven't been dating all that long. You know, if you get too much of a gift, you say too much, you know, in the gift. And if you don't get enough, they get mad at you, all those kind of things. And, and you know what she got? She got me an Intellivision. I don't know if you remember what Intellivision was. Yeah, I, there was Atari. That was like the main thing. But then there was an Intellivision. And it was an early gaming system. And they were expensive. We didn't have the things that we have today. This is one of those very first early things. And I thought, wow, she must really like me because she bought me this gaming system. People in love do big things for each other, don't they? People in love will go the extra mile for each other. And that's why I think it's important for us to comprehend the love of God. Because if I understood more fully how much God loves me, I wouldn't be asking some of the questions that people ask today. Do we have to go to church on Sunday night? Do we have to go to church on Wednesday? Do we have to do this and have to do that? Listen, those are the wrong questions. I love my family. I love my children. But I would never ask, do I have to give my kids a hug? Do I have to go to their band concerts? Do I have to tell them that I love them? Do I have to? We, we don't. Those are wrong questions, aren't they? Of course you do those things. There's no written law that says you have to do those things, but if you love them, you will. That's just part of life. And the same thing is true with God. If we better understood and comprehended how much he loved us, we love him because he first loved us, we would respond to him, I think, in a better way. In Exodus chapter 15 and also in Micah chapter 7, there are two glimpses, two statements that are made. Uh, These are the only two times that I'm aware that they're made in the Old Testament. But uh, the question is asked, and I think a person has been given a picture of God and his love in a way that just kind of blows them away. Because in Moses, Moses says in Exodus chapter 15, he says, who is a God like you? God has just separated the waters. They've just walked across safely on dry ground. He's destroyed the enemy behind them. And Moses gets to the other side and he sings this song and he says, Who is a God like you? I've never seen anything like it. Micah asked the same thing in Micah chapter 7 and verse 18. He asked the same question. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity. Passing over the transgressions of the remnant of your people, you delight in mercy. As sinful as God's people were, he was blown away that God would still forgive and still love them and seek them as a people. The more you understand the love of God, the more in awe and in love with him you will be. 
And then let's go on to the last point. And that is, if I could wish, I would wish for the salvation of our souls. If I could get a a, a grown-up Christmas list. The Bible tells us in Romans 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Apostle Paul once expressed, as he wrote to the Romans, he said, my prayer, my heart's desire is that Israel will be saved. But they couldn't be saved the way they were going about it. But it was his prayer. In fact, he went so far as to say, if I could be a curse from God in order to affect the salvation of my brethren, I would wish that upon myself. That's the kind of love that Paul had for his brethren. And we need to have a love for our brethren, for our community, for our families, to desire their salvation. Listen, you can get the latest thing. You can have the best that money can buy on Christmas morning. But at the end of the day, if you lose your soul... You don't take any of that with you. It does you no good in the next life. The only thing that will matter at that time is your relationship with God. And what if you leave this life with everything your heart ever desired except for God? Then what? It's been a waste. You've not only hurt your eternal destiny, but chances are, You've also been a stumbling block to others. My grown-up Christmas list, oh, it's vastly different than what I would have wished for as a child. But that list of things are things that we ought to work for. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 that God is the author of every good and every perfect gift that comes from him. We do have a God who gives gifts. We have a God who has already given a gift that is beyond our ability to comprehend. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us. He gave a gift to us, his son. What will we do in return? This morning we're here today because we love God and we want to serve Him. We risk the elements to arrive here safely, but it could be that you're here today and you're not in a right relationship with God. Listen, this is the last Sunday of the year. We have uh, next Sunday, I think it will be uh, in January. What a better time or what better time is there? To say, I've spent enough time in sin, I want to get this right, and I want to start off the new year right. There's no sense in risking my salvation. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're not right with God, maybe it's because you've never been baptized, make that decision. Turn from sin, be baptized, and God will add you to his family. You'll be forgiven of all your past sins. If... You've already done that, and you need to respond to the invitation for prayers, for strength, to be a better person as we begin this new year. We invite you to to come as we stand together and sing.